Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public, featuring lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. I'm Jordan Rich, and today a conversation with attorney Sam Siegel, chairman of the Young Lawyers Division of the Mass Bar Association. We're here to talk about the laws of summer, a topic with universal appeal, things you should know about when you take to the beach, go boating, host parties, and more. Well, Sam, thank you very much for uh, gracing us with your presence. I know it's a beautiful time of the year. Many of us want to be outside, but to be outside, it helps to know some of the laws and rules that will protect us. So thank you. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Jordan, and I'm happy to be here to discuss it with you. Let's start with boating. This is a very popular area for boating of all kinds, and there are numerous laws. Some of them are quite intense, but let's talk about some of the basic ones, including who needs a license to operate and what do we need a license for? Yeah. So, Jordan, typically, uh, most people do not need a license to operate a boat. Um, The way it works in Massachusetts is if you are over the age of 18, uh, you can operate a motorboat. Um, If you are between the ages of 12 and 15, you can operate it if you are being supervised by someone over the age of 18 on that craft with you. Now, there are different types of motorboats, as we know. I mean, there are the tiny boats on the on the lake that putter along, and then there are these big vessels that we see in the harbor. Uh, distinctions, of course, for, for all of these. Uh, yeah, there are distinctions. The biggest distinction really is between crafts with motors and without motors. So the restrictions apply, the age restrictions, to uh, crafts with motors. Um, there's also personal watercraft, and that's the jet skis. Um, those you cannot operate at all unless you're 16 years of age. And even then, until you're 18, you need a, what's called a boating safety certificate in order to operate mm-hmm. it. Sam, uh, we know about operating under the influence on roadways, but it's super critical in the water as well. What does Massachusetts say about that? Uh, definitely. Uh, operating a boat under the influence, same rules apply as operating a vehicle. So the uh, limit in Massachusetts is 0.08 blood alcohol content. If you are that or above, you are considered intoxicated. I know we hear about accidents that occur, uh, particularly in lakes and ponds, where people are operating a motorized boat, let's say, and people are swimming in the area. Uh, What kinds of regulations are there in place to protect the swimmers? Well, there's a requirement that if you are in a motorized craft, you have to go to what's called no-wake speed. If you're within 150 feet of a swimmer, the shoreline, a water skier, a boat launch, a raft afloat, basically if you're within 150 feet of anyone not in a motorized watercraft, you need to go down to six miles an hour or less. All right, we're going to be covering beaches in a bit, which is a slightly different area because that's to do with bathing, but we can't escape the the elephant in the corner of the room, that's marijuana. In terms of boating regulations in marijuana, where do we stand? So uh, when you're on a boat, you have to be very careful. Um, The Coast Guard uh, patrols the seas, patrols the navigable waters, and they will prosecute you under federal law. Mm. Massachusetts, we have passed our ballot initiative. A recreational marijuana is legal to use in mass, but federally it is not legal. That must create uh, all kinds of scenarios for you as attorneys uh, in terms of how to deal with that when somebody gets in trouble with the federal government. Oh, I mean, the issue is it's a crime. And mm-hmm. if the Coast Guard gets you operating on a boat with a marijuana cigarette, you will be charged uh, with that crime. All right, let's get off the boat and into the water. We'll wade a little bit into the beach area, pardon the pun. And uh, there are a lot of issues that people should be thinking about, particularly this time of year. First of all, the private versus the public beach. 
for a gazillion years, you know, I've seen those signs on beaches I've been to, private, beach, stay off, stay away. What are the consequences if someone walks into a private beach area? Yeah, so in Massachusetts, the rule's a little strange um, compared to many other states, and in that a beach owner can own all the way down to the low tide mean line. Mm -hmm. Um, So they can actually own all the way down to where the water stops even at low tide. Um, So what that means is they can technically prevent you from walking across their beach. They could, you know, say, put up a sign, say, don't walk here, and they could, you know, call the police or, or... you know, file a trespassing complaint. And a trespassing complaint usually results in what? Uh, usually not arrest. Uh, no, it wouldn't be arrest unless you're doing something else. It would Some be, kind of a fine? It would probably be a yeah. fine or more likely okay. they would tell you to get off. Now, if I'm walking on a private beach, that's one thing. What if I'm swimming and I sort of swim into someone's beach area? Am I responsible for, for that as well? Sure. Uh, well, Massachusetts actually has an interesting distinction. Um, there are a couple exceptions to the private property rules for beaches. And it's this ancient colonial law, and it's for fishing, fouling, and navigation. So a private property owner cannot stop you from doing those things on the beach. Um, and what the what that tends to mean is if you were swimming across the beach and you swam in the water and your feet never touched the ground, so you're not uh, wading and walking, but you are okay. swimming across, you are okay. You can kayak across. You can also uh, go fishing. Uh, fishing is one of the things you're allowed to do. A private beach owner can't stop you, mm-hmm. as is fouling, which, of course— what, what is fouling for those of us who are unaware? So colonially, it meant, you know, <laughs> hunting birds. Uh, but in the modern day, uh, the attorney general's office has interpreted it to include bird watching. So, okay. you know, if you have a pair of binoculars and you're watching birds and some landowner comes out, you can say, oh, I'm just I'm bird watching. There are other questions concerning beaches. And thank you for being here and answering them so clearly and distinctly. Uh, we know about alcohol, the problems on, on boats and the problems in terms of driving. But what about uh, consumption of alcohol on a public beach, a beach that is run by the community? We see signs. Do people observe them? Should they? What's the scoop? Uh, Definitely take a look at the local laws because that's what's going to govern it. Um, The open container laws of the town where the beach is are going to be the ones that apply. Many, many towns uh, forbid alcohol on the beach. Um, Some allow it, and you need to check your open container laws in the town. Take a look at the signs posted at the beach as well. Swimming at your own risk. We see these signs, particularly when there's not a lifeguard present. And, well, who's really liable? Is it the swimmer? Is it the parent of the swimmer? Or does the town or community have any uh, liability here with no lifeguard? Well, so I actually handle personal injury law is my uh, main focus in my practice. And the question becomes one of what's called comparative fault. In Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And what that means is if I'm a swimmer and I see a sign saying, you know, swim at your own risk, no lifeguard, and I decide to go anyway, you know, and, you know, the tide takes me out. Um, the question is what percentage of the fault is on me for, you know, knowing I knew I saw the sign that there was no lifeguard. I didn't see a lifeguard and I went out in Massachusetts. If I'm found by a jury and the question would theoretically go to them, if I'm found more than 50 percent at fault for what happened to me, then I can recover nothing. More than 50%. Yep. Okay. 50% or less, it divides it by the percentage of your fault. Okay. Very interesting. I don't know if any of this applies to pools. Does it guard at a public or even a private, say, family swimming area? Sure. I mean, the question is one of negligence. So if there's a lifeguard on duty at a public pool and if they perform their duty in some negligent way that causes an injury, you know, you might have a valid claim. 
Of course, if it's a municipal pool, there are many different laws that apply to claims against a municipality. There are notice requirements. You have to file your claim within a certain time period. So you really should talk to a lawyer because there's a lot of uh, mm. a lot of traps there. We've been talking about the summer, and everyone knows the fireworks of Fourth of July are uh, wonderful along the Boston skyline, the Charles River. But those are all professionally based firework programs, and we also know that fireworks are illegal in Massachusetts. And yet you hear them popping all the time, don't you? You do, uh, <laughs> you do. But you are correct that they it is illegal to buy fireworks, shoot off fireworks, or transport fireworks into Massachusetts. Um, so I know some of our neighbor states, uh, the rules are a bit less strict, and I'd recommend you go to those states to uh, They actually fireworks. advertise in Massachusetts, however. That, that is allowed. Uh, yep, you're allowed to advertise in Massachusetts, but I suppose it is to draw you to the place where it is legal to use them and buy them. All right, so we've been on the water, we've been at the beach, even at the public pool. Let's now take it into the private residence. Summertime is all about parties, backyard barbecues, and the like, and sadly, occasionally there are issues that arise that involve human life and injury and so forth, and we all know people can get out of hand. So let's review some of the important social host laws. When you have a party, backyard, and there are kids, you got to be careful about alcohol, obviously. Definitely. Um, it is illegal to serve anyone under the age of 21 um, at a party. Don't, you know, if you give it to a kid and something happens, uh, you know, there's criminal penalties for just giving it to the kid. And you might also be then responsible mm -hmm. for anything that minor or even an adult does. Is there an exception for one's own children? Um, there's an exception for your own children and I believe grandchildren as well. Okay. Now, if the guest at, or several guests at the party have gone overboard, have had too much to drink, they leave the party, they cause an accident. Where does the responsibility lie? So the responsibility would lie with the person who caused, let's say, let's take an example and say I have a party and one of my friends um, has too much to drink. I know they have too much to drink and yet I continue to allow them to drink and then they drive away and get into an accident and hurt someone. Um, that person that they hurt would have claims against my friend who mm -hmm. hit them with the car, but also against me. Um, they'd have to prove that, you know, I knew my friend was drinking. I knew he, you know, it had too much. And then I knew, you know, he was going to drive away and mm. could potentially hurt someone. But yes, you know, social host liability can attach, um, you know, from the person that my friend hit. I have no relationship with them back to me at the party. And by the way, we're in the era of Uber and Lyft, but this is still an important issue. You deal with issues of this kind probably regularly, I would imagine. Uh, I do. I do. All do. too often. Yeah. And, you know, in an age of Uber and Lyft, you know, that really is the safest bet is to call a cab and come pick up the car later. So if you're dealing with the added danger, if you will, of water, meaning you have a pool, uh, what kinds of and you have a party with several people, what kinds of rules or regulations are there in effect that protect your swimmers, protect you? Yeah. So if you own a pool, there's uh, check your local requirements. There's a lot of requirements, for instance, to have a uh, fencing around your pool with a locked gate with a latch um, so that children, for instance, can't wander into the pool unsupervised, you know, especially a young child and drown. Um, so make sure to take a look at all those requirements when you're putting in a pool to make sure it complies. That's the best way to protect yourself and to prevent an injury. If you've complied with all of the regulations, um, you know, that are required to have a safe pool and someone gets hurt, um, you know, you'd have, first of all, a stronger defense. And second of all, there's less mm. chance that would even happen. Right. There's another issue that comes up. Uh, more and more people have fire pits and open flame, uh, whether it's the barbecue or the bonfire and all that kind of stuff. And you, you wonder, uh, you know, where does this local community step in and what are the regulations regarding those? Yeah, so check your town ordinances. Um, for instance, in the city of Boston, basically no uh, temporary open fire pits are allowed. 
um, you have to check your local uh, rules. There are certain buildings, though, that have them in place that obviously have done the work, the regulations. These are commercial buildings or residential buildings, apartment buildings that have them, right? Yep. There are some exceptions for um, permanent installations and for uh, gas-powered flames. Um, But, you know, again, you'd have to check your local ordinances. Well, you've been a font of information. Let me ask you a general question. As the summer gets rolling, is it a good idea to review this kind of stuff? And there's a lot of resources to do that. Definitely. I mean, these rules are in place for a reason, all of them, and that's to keep you safe and to keep you protected, Um, not just, you know, your family's lives and health, but keep you protected from liability as well. The Mass Bar Association has several great resources, but I'll throw it over to you as an attorney who specializes in this area. You'd be happy to take any follow-up questions from people, I'm sure. Certainly. I'm always happy to answer questions. I mean, I'm uh, the current chair of the Young Lawyers Division at the Mass Bar, very involved and uh, do a lot of volunteer work too. So always happy to help. And, And one more question. You're a young attorney. That's why you are the chair of the Young Lawyers Division. But have you seen a a trend in a positive direction? Are people more aware because there's so much information, including podcasts like this? Are people becoming more aware and more adept? Or are we still dealing with human frailty? And I'm one of them. I'm a human like all the rest of us. Uh, Where do we stand, do you think? Uh, I I think information is, is getting better. And I think people are understanding more of it. But it's very important um, you know, to not make assumptions, uh, to look up the rules. And with the Internet age that we are in, it's very easy. You no longer need to go to a social law library right. to try to find something in a book. You can, you know, Google it and get the rule pretty fast. Sam, I want to wish you all the best for whatever season people are listening to this. Uh, it's the summer we're recording it. So have a great rest of the summer and uh, enjoy yourself as well. Thank you. You too, Jordan. My thanks again to attorney Sam Siegel, chairman of the MBA's Young Lawyers Division. You've been listening to the MassBar Beat podcast, available free at MassBar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and more. If you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the MassBar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577 or visit www.masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to an attorney today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association. We invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich, thanking you for listening.